0: name of the incarnate word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I'm always talking about my favorite gospel stories. It's only fair then that today we have my least favorite gospel story. The wedding of Cana water into wine. Honestly, I would just prefer to skip right over it. The story has a frivolity to me that causes me to wonder what purpose does this story serve? It feels particularly frivolous right now. As I take in all that is happening in the world, the cumulative exhaustion feels real. This week, I found myself returning to my memories of March, 2020. I know that feels like it was yesterday, But in fact, it was about 22 months ago, those earliest days of the pandemic. When I look at my reflection from that time, my reflections, I understand and understood then that I had no practice at leading church or parenting or going to the grocery store in the middle of a pandemic. It was all brand new to me. I had a lot of questions and fears and wonderings. Now, 22 months later, I have a lot of practice. Going to the grocery store has gotten much easier, thanks be to God. And yet, every week, there are questions, fears, Still feels like I have very little practice leading church or parenting in the middle of a pandemic. And so, the story that I want from the gospel today is the one, do you know this one, the one where the pandemic ends and we return to normal, whatever normal is now? And so, I suppose this is the gift of the lectionary. These pre-assigned readings chosen by the seasons of the year without the whims and the wants of the preacher. So here we are, Jesus turning water into wine. The story itself feels odd to me. There is nothing else like it in the Gospels. It is typical of John's Gospel to include something new or different or that we've never heard or seen before. The story of the wedding at Cana is particularly out of ordinary for John, though. John's gospel is characterized by narrative teaching and lots of confrontations with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and healings, of course. But here is Jesus at a wedding, an ordinary festival, performing an odd kind of miracle. This isn't healing the sick or feeding the hungry, this is the creation of an immense, I mean, like 180 gallons worth. Yes, 180 gallons worth of the best kind of wine. Feels a little frivolous. Here's another interesting one-of-a-kind element in the story. Jesus has this strange encounter with his mother, this interaction. She appears only twice in John's gospel, here and at the crucifixion. And I must tell you that this is just a rabbit begging to be chased, a story for our own projections about parents and children and mothers and sons. But this interaction between Jesus and his mother, it really, I think, serves one purpose. My hour has not yet come, he says. Here is our hint that this moment, this sign, has something to do with Jesus' life, but more his death and resurrection. Now there are seven signs in John's Gospel. They begin with today's story and they end with the raising of Lazarus. There is a feeding of the 5,000 and three healings. This is the smallest number of miracles in any of the Gospels. That tells me that John chooses them with care, with purpose. These are the signs that reveal who Jesus is and instill belief with all who hear and read this gospel. Now, with two of these signs, Jesus does something that only God can do. He manipulates water. In chapter 6 of John's gospel, Jesus will walk on water. And here, water becomes wine. Now who, who, other than perhaps a great scholar or preacher, would imagine connecting today's miracle, water into wine, with Jesus walking on water? They feel and seem completely different from one another. Nothing in the gospel is an accident or coincidence. These stories are intentional. Jesus' ability to control water reveals his intimate connection, his divinity, In the beginning, God separated the water. In the beginning, there was a great flood. In the beginning, God broke open the Red Sea for the people of Israel. And now, Jesus, the incarnate Word, changes water into wine and walks on water. Here it is the mystery. Of the incarnation. So let's consider today's sign. Jesus turns water into wine. Not a magic trick. Jesus is not a magician. This is God's creative power at work, visible for all to see. It's not a small sign. Again, 180 gallons of wine. And it's not just any wine. Again, it is the highest quality, the best wine. In her commentary on John, Gail O'Day, a New Testament scholar, tells us that in the prophets, quote, an abundance of good wine is an eschatological symbol, a sign of the joyous arrival of God's new age. In other words, the wine Jesus gives them Is a sign of God's final word to the people. This wine is the wine of God's kingdom. Here, right now, is the redemption of God's people happening right where they are at a wedding. A wedding. The wedding feast is a well-known symbol in Scripture for the eternal feast. We hear it in Isaiah's reading today. A celebration of life, of the way God delights in us and in God's people. It's a celebration of our bonds with one another and with God. Weddings, brides, bridegrooms, all are common symbols of Christ's incarnate word. And the church has used this metaphor ever since Jesus used them in the parables. The church is the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. The wedding is our redemption. Jesus, at the wedding of Cana, makes the metaphor real. Here, right now, where the people are, this is God's redemption. There's one more very important detail. It's the prepositional phrase at the very beginning of the story. On the third day. What happens on the third day? The third day, the disciples come to an empty tomb. Jesus has been raised. Except wait, we're at the beginning of the gospel. We're in the second chapter of John and yet we are anticipating our redemption. While we are looking, waiting for God's activity, God is right here in our midst. Water into wine, God's incarnate redemptive activity right here, right now. So you see, my perception that the, shall- the story is shallow is really all about me, I'm looking right now for God in the drama of suffering or hunger. And meanwhile, God is also active in joy and plenty. Now that seems really obvious when I say it out loud. When I wrote it on the paper this week, I thought, of course. But the reality can be easy to miss. I wonder, when are we aware of God's activity in our lives? In our joy? Or our sorrow? In our hunger? Or in our prosperity? Today, I am looking for God in the midst of a pandemic. And the gospel says to me, be alert, pay attention. God is right here, right now. Present in our scriptures, the story of God's redemptive work, in our music, in our prayers, attending to the desires of our hearts, incarnate word invites us to a great feast, Christ's own body given to us. With this act, this sign, God reveals Christ's presence right here among us, a union between our table and God's table. Here, right now, today, our redemption is taking place right where we are. Thanks be to God.